Today on Sagittarian Matters, we make blanched tofu, talk about carob lava, wolfenbears, secret cafes, and the one vegan thing you should never eat cold. With very special friend to the show, Morgan. Stay tuned. Morgan is a frequent contributor to Sagittarian Matters. She is the former purveyor of Dovetail Bakery, and she loves salads, nuts, seeds, and dry, crunchy foods more than anyone I've ever met. Morgan joined me this week via Zoom, beaming into the Sagittarian Matters social distancing test kitchen to try out blanched tofu, a method of cooking tofu that was new to both of us. Please enjoy my talk with very special friend to the show, Morgan. Hello, Sagittarian Matters. On a recent episode, friend of the show Morgan and Nicole talked about that um, they don't press their tofu anymore. And like you, I stopped pressing a long, long time ago. I just don't think the juice is worth the squeeze. Um, But I recently saw a recipe that calls for blanching tofu in salted water, so I thought I would give it a whirl. And i got to say, I think it makes a huge difference. The texture inside feels a little bit more like silken tofu, and it cooks on the outside a little bit more um, evenly and crispy. Can you give this a try? Am I fooling myself? Thanks so much, Blanching in Brooklyn. Morgan. Nicole. Welcome back. We must address this question that Blanching in Brooklyn sent us. Hear ye, hear ye. We are the court of of tofu. We are, uh, we're a longtime vegan, longtime tofu eater, longtime vegetarian crowd. It's true, we've both stopped pressing our tofu. Mm -hmm. But blanching, blanching's not new. Blanching's old, but it's new to me. New to me, too. Thank you, Blanching in Brooklyn. Morgan, you tried this. Tell me all about it. Wow, okay, so I did it. I just searched the internet, blanched tofu. Um, It seems to be the consensus is mostly you do some salted water, boil, drop your tofu cubes in there for maybe like 15 seconds. I went up to a minute because there seemed to be some time variance. And then you just drain them. I did not rinse. Okay, and I guess you could also soak in cold water, cold salted water for 15 minutes, but it's 100 degrees and I just wanted to get this going. Okay, so Blanche is done. I do my standard preparation in the spirit of science. And I did some with no seasoning these are no seasoning. How do you feel okay. about this? Woo! And then I did some with my my standard go-to soy sauce and garlic powder for the sake of science. Blanching in Brooklyn. Okay. Let How much salt did you add to your water, Morgan? A healthy pinch. It was unscientific. Okay. Maybe one to two teaspoons. Okay. So I want to know everything about this. Morgan popped one into her mouth. She's chewing. Wow. Her face has lit up. 
I can see the gears moving over her head. I see different light bulbs going. What's going on? Well, let me put my powdered wig on because the court is in and it is delicious. <laughs> I was like, okay, so apparently it's supposed to maybe make it a little chewier. Blanching in Brooklyn, B and B said a little softer, more like silken tofu on the inside, and also it's supposed to maybe remove some of the beanie kind of you know flavor. And maybe this is because I've been eating tofu for many years and I feel fondly about it, but um. When it was doing the like steam, my hot steam facial of tofu smell, I was like, this smells so good. It smells like every pudding I've ever made. And like, I don't know, it felt like really cozy and um, really warming. So I didn't think that was bad. I thought it was really nice. And then um, when I was cooking it, it really started to brown and I took video because it sounded different. It had a different sizzle. What did it sound like? I don't know, more sizzly or something like that. I'll send it to you. No copyright, you can use it as you will. You. So, okay, so all the little cubes, I thought they would maybe fall apart in the boiling water and they didn't. And then you put them in the pan and they kind of firm up and each little cube has almost like a sharp corner of crispness on it. I mean, the geometry on this thing is like, wow. That's out of this world. I know, it's hard to, it's hard to see. And I would agree. It stayed really, really tender on the inside. Oh, busted <laughs> wide open. It's not, that is not good looking. And really crispy on the outside. And, um, and the flavor got through to the middle. It just has a slight little, like a slight little salt, nothing too thrilling. I would say texture wise though, um, it's, it's a real hit. What do you think is the science behind this? This is some weird science. Maybe the salt, I don't know. Maybe there's some osmosis that draws some of the moisture out of the outside once it's drying or something like that. Or I don't know, scientists, let me know what has happened. I mean, do you not feel like you spent the entire decade of the 90s just hunting, chasing crispy tofu? Oh yeah, of course. And then I thought that the closest I got was finding the Asian grocery store and just finding age tofu. Yeah, you're like, whoa. Why? Everybody, the yeah. spongy, the spongy tofu that you get, like maybe at a Vietnamese restaurant, like this, like pho jasmine if you live in Portland, like the spongy with like the yellowy orange on the outside color. That is called age tofu. You just go to the Asian grocery store, whatever your supermarket, big or small is, and it's just there. It's just there. It's not expensive. And then you're like, oh, am I a wizard? It's just like when I see people draw things that are beautifully colored and I'm like, are they a genius? And then I got procreate and I was like, no, nobody's a genius. Someone has figured this out a long time ago and all we have to do is just partake of their delicious wares. But this is like a more chilled out version of age tofu. Now I made this at home with Oda, which is Portland's own brand, Ota tofu. That's beautiful. They're like a hundred years old. Oda tofu. They owned for that long and they're awesome. Oda tofu is awesome. Um, Kaya and I did this blanching with it. And the Oda tofu, it just, that this is a brand that's not a style. Don't go looking for it if you don't live in the Portland area. Um, but it just, the inside was so smooth and mm. soft. It wasn't, it wasn't gelatinous like silken. I would, I would say to Blanching in Brooklyn, silken is for me a leap because I, silken makes me be like, oh no, because you know, like this, the silken being like the texture of chicken fat sometimes if you're not actually wanting that, um, it's somewhere in between that. It's softer, 
it's gentle. It is like a, it's almost like, um, I don't remember what it's called, but there's that vegetarian Japanese place in San Francisco that's on Valencia Street and they have like a tofu pudding. It's almost like a tofu pudding mm -hmm. texture. And then it has the crispy outside. That's such a lovely combination. And it just, it's just a real delight. This blanching is a game changer for me. And I thought I knew tofu. I know, me too. That's where I'm like, it's great. It's so, I love being, you know, schooled to learn a new, a new thing. There's so much to know. Also, it's just like this cube where you think, yeah, it's all one flavor. It's all one texture. And you can make so much happen in one little square. Yeah. Uh, it was worth boiling on a hundred degree day. I mean, you made hot tofu on a hot day. I said, Morgan, it is a heat wave in Portland. 85% of the restaurants are closed because nobody has AC and they don't want their employees to die. Mm -hmm. Well, you go to your house, which I think also doesn't probably have central AC, boil some water, boil some damn tofu, then get a hot frying pan. And then fr after you have the steam on your face, yeah, yeah. fry it up and zoom me for the podcast. I said, you got it. And look, it was so worth it. Would do again. The air conditioner is not even running right now. The funky little window unit. It's off because that's how good this is. Wow. I'm going to blanch my tofu from now on. Can you imagine um, frozen, defrosted, blanched, and then fried? What? That's weird. That's weird. Right. I'm no longer a fan. You know, I don't even know how long I was a fan of frozen tofu. I think it was probably like five seconds when I was like, look, it's different, but I don't. I don't know if I love that. The, I don't know if I like it turning into a sponge, literally a sponge. An actual chewy dried sponge. I know. I like it. I like chewy. It feels like a challenge, you know? <laughs> I think that this is what friend to the show, Nate and I made our infamous um, sheets and sheets of tofu bacon out of for a secret cafe in the early 2000s mm. that was happening outside of my friend's house, which was just like, sheets and sheets of frozen tofu that then we cut up and we saturated in this combination of like, I mean, we've said on the podcast before, but soy sauce, a little bit of liquid smoke, uh, nutritional yeast, maybe some maple syrup, possibly a little bit of ketchup. I can't remember, but such saturating it in that and then frying it on both sides. And so it gets like super, like just disgusting, like bacon, super fried. And both of our houses just smelled like liquid smoke. <laughs> In the gnarliest, it went for something that was delicious to just like, just imagine the smell of like a tofu bacon clinging to you. Every, every strand of hair coated in perpetuity. You just have to wait the seven years for it to grow out or whatever. That's what I had to do. I got, and I, I was, you know, I applied for the FBI and they did a hair test to see if I'd done <laughs> drugs and they saw that I just done liquid smoke. <laughs> they traced it back to the yeah. scene of the secret cafe. You know, as all trends return eventually, maybe not all, but many, I really hope the um, secret cafe trend returns, putting it out there. Don't you? I can't, you know, I can't say on the podcast that I've thought about having a secret cafe. Oh, but I have a, a chef in my midst who I have said, we should have a secret cafe. Oh my God. A Sagittarian matters secret cafe. I can't imagine anything better. The splendid Sagittarian table, but then like, who is the waitress? Cause I'm a mean waitress. I don't have patience for people's shenanigans. That's too close. That's too much. People aren't going to like me anymore after they, they're like my favorite podcast host just scowled at me when I got my own coffee refill. <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't want to listen to her podcast anymore. It feels it's weird. So, so mean. It feels like we're in a fight and there's no way for us to reconcile because she's not having any more secret cafes. Everything written on the um, butcher paper menu was crossed out. And the only thing that was left was the, you know, like whatever, oatmeal. You know, friend to the show, Don used to make us our handwritten menus for our secret, cafe. secret cafes. Yes. There you go. You know, I mean, we're, we're heading into 2022. Anything could happen, you know. Morgan, I have sad news for you. Oh. Wolf and Bear's closed. I'm so sad about this. I saw this as well. I didn't even ever get to eat a last falafel. Me neither. It was like the damn, like last minute. They were like, our last day is uh, tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> and also the North Portland location is already closed. So go to the Southeast location. I'm like, oh, wait, 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 wait. I just want to say, if people don't live in Portland, Wolf and Bears was a really lovely, lovely food cart. Great falafel salads, great falafel wraps, ceviche, wonderful jug. They just were a really nice place and uh, they will be missed. They will be sorely missed. Wow. But you have the perspective of a business owner of a well-loved business that was sucking your life force that you were so pleased to get to be free of. And so I can only imagine you can see their side of things. Oh yeah. I support everyone that wants to do whatever they got to do to take care of themselves, but it is also nice to be like appreciated, loved and missed. And so miss them so dearly, uh, best loving luck on all of your, you know, next journeys. And Hopefully they'll have a secret cafe. <laughs> hey. I, love, I would love that. Can you even I, imagine? I feel, I feel quite grateful that friend to the show, Dan, gave me a gift certificate to Wolf and Bears. And I, I had been enjoying that gift certificate uh, in the weeks following, in the weeks leading up to their, their demise. Their demise. Um, that is a really nice gift. Yeah. Um, a gift certificate to a local place that you love. Like you're really, you're doing a really nice thing for everyone. Today's episode is brought to you by Maria Turner Carney, Laura Perry, Emily Helmus, Lily Withicombe, Cancerian, Shoshana Ruth Wechter, and Joey Soloway. If you would like to support Sagittarian Matters, in particular, producer Chris Sutton, please send $5, $5 million via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. Or this just in, he's got a Venmo, Hell Books on Venmo. That's H-E, double hockey sticks, books. Thank you for your support, and we look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it too. Don't be scared. That's just Ponyo's speaking voice. I want to tell you that in the year, probably 2003, Mm -hmm. I won at the Portland Zine Symposium, which I did organize the Portland Zine Symposium. And yet I still bought a raffle ticket to support the Portland Zine Symposium. I won a raffle. I won $40 gift certificate to the Paradox, which is a vegan cafe in Southeast Portland. I worked at another words, which is on Hawthorne. So close. And I, people were like, oh, are you going to go buy your friend's dinner? And I was like, uh, no, this is going to last as long as this is going to last me for the rest of my life. So I would go there. I would get their, their breakfast special was like $3. (laughs) 
<laughs> their breakfast special was like three dollars. I paid an extra dollar for gravy. I went there probably six times on that forty dollar gift certificate. <laughs> I'm sure they were appreciated. <laughs> Take my chip out of the gift certificate, please. Thank you so much. <laughs> no, I paid. I, I paid in cash, or I wrote a check for a tip. Oh my god! Oh my, that is a Georgia's classic right there. Wow. Two dollars and seventeen cents on a check. <laughs> Thank you so much. It was like more than that to cash. It would have turned. Well, at the time, you had to go to the bank anyway to cash your paycheck. <laughs> Back in the day, <laughs> when I got a paycheck. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So true. This wig isn't even powdered, it's just naturally light. <laughs> I fooled you all. <laughs> Morgan, also this week, you saw me pulling a George's classic, which was, I was eating Pumfu scramble out of a sandwich bag oh, on yeah. my drive home from Eugene, Oregon. Pumfu? Is that tofu yeah. made of pumpkins? Pumfu, if we haven't talked about it on the show, is tofu made from pumpkin seeds. I don't know if we've talked about it. If so, I can't remember. I think it's been in my top, my personal top tens, but we haven't discussed it. Pumfu is delicious. I don't know if they have it in Portland. They have it at Sundance in Eugene. They have it in Los Angeles. Um, it's a little expensive. Try to get it on sale. It is a delicious delight for people that are soy avoidant. I want to try this. It's denser and sometimes more crumbly than regular tofu. It, it has its own earthy kind of grassy, you know, sunflower or pump, pumpkin seed like baseline. And it's so nice for a scramble. I just, I think it's a delight, but so, you know, Kaya made me a pumfu scramble and then we were leaving her parents' house and I didn't want to steal any of their Tupperware. So I just used a sandwich bag. <laughs> and then I was eating it in the car with a plastic fork out of the sandwich bag. And <laughs> just put it on like a horse trough. Yeah. Does that mean that you can make tofu out of other seeds? I think it does. I think it, I mean, you can definitely make tempeh out of different beans. Like, you know, black bean tempeh, white bean tempeh, all kinds of tempeh. Local company called Squirrel and Crow. Mm -hmm. They make like a lentil and a bean and quinoa and a, we should take that. I have some of that in my freezer right now. Uh, don't brag, Nicole. Don't brag. No, it's a brag, but if I took that out of the freezer, it'd be ready to eat in um, eight to 16 hours. <laughs> just, just a short little eight to 16. Wow. We have so many options. Also, I really, we're back to seeds. We're always talking about seeds, you know? They're the, just the, the nugget, the kernel of life right there. Um, I can't believe you can make so many things out of them. The last thing I want to tell you about Morgan, and I regret that I don't have the entire bottle here, is this. It's a picture that Nicole is showing me on her phone of this maybe 1982 <laughs> kind of an anesthetic logo of something called Carob Lava, and the L is dripping a brown drip <laughs> onto an ice cream where it is then pooling and cascading down. Uncommon. <laughs> carob lava high energy high energy uncommon mct brain fuel what organic non-gmo gluten-free high fiber vegan mm. uncommon carob lava this is a bottle of it um it's about the size of a bottle of like apple cider vinegar except for my friend this was 18 dollars 
what is even in it? I mean, besides so much food for your brain, talk to me. I saw this at Sundance, which is the, the hippie co-op in Eugene, Oregon. Eugene, Oregon, you thought they were pretty hippie. Wait till you find Carob Lava. Wow. <sighs> Ingredients. Oh, kids love it. That's what their website <laughs> I beg to differ. <laughs> otherwise, a high-energy, nutrient-dense dessert sauce. We spared nothing to make carob lava super yummy, but more importantly, really good for you. Kids love it. <laughs> organic carob powder, organic MCT coconut oil, organic coconut sugar, organic inulin. What is that? Organic sunflower lecithin, cinnamon, vanilla flavor, Himalayan salt. Whatever we can make this. We can make this. You know, I've said this about everything we've ever eaten. Okay, inulin is some kind of chicory fiber that's maybe also sweet. I'm not sure. I see. I, I see. Looking right now. Well, here's the issue: is that most carob has palm oil in it. Most carob, you know, like Kaya got some like expensive, delicious Australian-made carob candy bars. None of this sounds good. Nothing about this is typical. palm oil fruit. Not, I'm not willing to, I'm not willing to buy palm oil. I'm just not, I'm not down, not down with it. I love orangutan jungle school too much. Yeah. Cheeky. Love those guys. Love those guys. Cheeky Valentino, I'm not going to destroy your habits. <laughs> some carob, just for my love of carob, okay? Baby Jari, I want you to be safe. <laughs> Big boy Benny, you do you. Oh yeah, that guy. <laughs> um, I need to know how was the lava fucking awesome morgan what? i wish that somehow through the sound waves i could show people a picture of me squirting the bottle directly in, onto my tongue and my open mouth because i've done that multiple times what i ran out of things to put it on and so i just started squirting it into my mouth it Look tastes on your own face it's it's like the best sweetest carob taste that i want it goes great with tahini <laughs> I did try to put on some halva. That was like too much. That was too many voices in the room at the same time. Um, it's, I, it's really good. I don't know how to tell people to even get it. It's like so expensive, but it felt really worth it. I was like, I'm getting this on behalf of the podcast. I, I really want to try it. I hope you saved me one, one, you know, whatever Demi drop. Oh, I have a lot. I have a lot at home. Even after you like squirted it directly down your throat. Um, but I, I did not touch it with my tongue. So you don't have to worry. Excellent. COVID safe. Um, as someone that was, you know, fed carob instead of a real treat or chocolate as a child, I just still, I just can't, mm, I still have a block about it. So I'm willing to try to open my mind and approach this lava with an open heart. Um, but I'm, I'm not, you have not sold me yet. Well, you know, you can't think of it like chocolate. You have to think of it as its own thing. Oh, I know. And its own thing is not good tasting. <laughs> its own thing to me tastes so earthy and delicious. If I, I mean, when I was in Vermont, there was a co-op that sold carob chips that were vegan and didn't have palm oil. And I would get in bulk. And I would just get my carob chips and my raisins and just double fist them all night long in my studio with exactly. some seltzer that I stole out of the office fridge that <laughs> someone else had purchased. And then I was there after hours. Now everyone sort of gets the idea of what the bar is. You know, they're like, oh, raisins? Oh my gosh, carob chips and raisins? Wow. 
I'll try. I'll try. I'll try. I'm ready. Carob and raisins have a similar flavor profile. They have a similar sharpness in them that I can't really describe. And there's a little funk. Little funk. Very funky. Very funky. Like your Very funky. I want, I just need to say out loud that I always replenished the seltzer that I stole from the office after hours. The ever seeing eye has forgiven you. Question, I can't remember. You do like chocolate. You just also like carob. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I celebrate all. <laughs> I celebrate the whole catalog. Ooh. Carob over here. I got the chocolate over here. They're separate and I love them both you know, differently. Oh my God, everyone in between. Okay, okay. Interesting. You know what? I wonder if part of the issue is that I'm not a huge chocolate eater. Like, oh, you don't even like chocolate, really. Like I like it okay, but I just like think there's other things that I like better. So I wonder if that's part of my aversion. Maybe it wasn't my, you know, childhood substitutions. Maybe it's just that my palate doesn't enjoy. I would jump, I would do a full Augustus Galoop in a Carib River. <laughs> I would be like, Did you, it's so good. And then I would fall head over heels and just, you know. Drinking, drinking, drinking. I just, I really think Carib got a bad rap because people were trying to pretend like it was chocolate. Yeah, and if yeah. you compare something to something it's not, you know, people take this and bring it to yourself. If you compare something, <laughs> compare and despair, my friends. It's really true. Vegan cheeses, vegan whatever's meat, you know, in quotes, all the, they're like, well, no, it's not the same. Of course it's not the same. It's a different thing. So maybe, maybe it's now that I'm in my mid forties. Yeah. Mid, middle. The key to me enjoying anything is to not compare it to something it's not. Myself, yeah. my mm -hmm. drawings, toast, like a portobello is compared to a burger, they're just very different. Yeah, guaranteed. All you're gonna see is how it's not the same. Yeah. But you know what, blanched tofu on the other hand. I've eaten almost the entire package as we were sitting here. There's only three little cubes left. Yum, oh my God. Thank you so much, Blanching in Brooklyn. Oh, thank you. Worlds. Bringing this to our attention. Mm. Delicious. And listeners, if you want to enjoy vegan cheese, you have to think of it as its own separate thing. You got Don't it. think about normal cheese, secular cheese. Think of it as its own separate thing. You came across a vegan pate, you came across a vegan, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And you're trying it on its own merits. On its own merits, I think you would think it was delicious. If you weren't like, this is a New York style cheese pizza. Yeah. Where's my Reggiano Parmigiano? And never eat Daya cold. <laughs> Wise words spoken as experienced. If I have one piece of wisdom for people that are <laughs> trying to dabble in veganism, never, yeah. never eat Daya cheese cold. Well, Morgan, thank you so much. It was a joy to see you, Nicole. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.